Shalom. Today is July 11th, 2010. We're doing a study on tradition, and this week we are looking at Shabbat. What is work? What is rest? Let's open in prayer. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments, and has commanded us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Please, Adonai, our God, sweeten the words of your Torah in our mouth, and in the mouth of your people, the family of Israel. May we and our offspring, and the offspring of your people, the house of Israel, all of us, know your name and study your Torah for its own sake. Blessed are you, Adonai, who teaches Torah to his people, Israel. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who selected us from all the peoples and gave to us his Torah. Blessed are you, Adonai, giver of the Torah. Amen. Exodus 28-11 says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of Adonai, your God. In it you shall do no work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days Adonai made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore Adonai blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Exodus 20, 8 through 11. Of course, we have questions immediately. What is the Sabbath? Which seventh day? Counting from when? Why does it uh, speak of not working and not telling us what work is? What is rest? The commandments to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy are some of the most ironclad that we have in the Scripture to those who at least believe that Hashem's words are eternal. Uh, you read this here as part of the Ten Commandments, Exodus 28 through 10. Uh, you read it as uh, part of the Ten Commandments, and uh, immediately you wonder about those who claim to love the Ten Commandments and keep the Ten Commandments, and yet somehow gloss over this one. But how is it that we should define rest? How should we define work? Any definition outside the biblical examples is a tradition. It's not to say that uh, the biblical examples don't give us uh, clear guidelines, but outside the biblical examples are tradition. Can we really tell the difference between the commandments and the traditions? And I hope in today's study we'll see that uh, the Bible very clearly says uh, in, in, uh, uh, in use of example what work is and what rest is. Here's some questions asked in our study. Are work and rest used literally when referring to the Sabbath? Is rest simply the absence of effort? What exactly is work? What is rest? And why did God give some commandments that are time-dependent? And uh, in his uh, marvelous work, The Sabbath, uh, Abraham Joshua Heschel uh, makes the point throughout the book that the Sabbath is, is about uh, time and is about God giving us a, uh, a reference to him, a reference to what is holy by... Uh, giving us time, and that it is in, w- in many ways the intersection of time and space. 
And his most memorable statement is, Eternal, er, Eternity utters a day. And within that day, we know that Hebrews uh, 3 and Hebrews chapter 4 give us uh, great insights into the Sabbath and preparation for the Sabbath and how it, how it is metaphorical for our recognizing uh, our, part, our uh, anticipation and preparation for the world to come. And the Sabbath rest itself is metaphorical of the world to come. However, that is not the main emphasis of the Sabbath within the Torah. The Sabbath within the Torah, and uh, we'd say the balance of Scripture, is the literal day and the literal do not work and the literal rest. Some background on tradition. <clears throat> Modern times, Christianity has defined rest and work just uh, pretty much like Judaism did. Um, until modern times. Uh, in modern times, of course, that has all gone away and we've had redefinitions, uh, what, what, whatever, but uh, uh, in the United States, uh, what are called blue laws are a perfect example of a recognition of the uh, validity of Judaism's rest and work laws. Uh, for instance, you could, buy, um, you could buy nails on Sunday, but you couldn't buy a hammer on Sunday in, in many places in the United States. That type of thing called the blue law. The, uh, what you, you could buy some things, but not other things. Although certainly Judaism would say no buying at all, at least there was a recognition of the difference between uh, building something and something that is uh, simply maintaining uh, your, your, yourself, uh, food, etc., um, the difference, the biggest difference is that Christianity uh, moved uh, uh, what they effectively, what effectively is a Sabbath day uh, from the seventh day to the first day. Uh, and uh, Judaism's deep understanding of, uh, of sanctifying people, uh, things, and time are uh, what we draw from when we read the scripture, this, this background of tradition. Uh, we want to look past the simple traditions, though. We want to see, are there, are there scriptural reasons uh, for the traditions? Is there a clear scriptural uh, message? It, do the traditions undo uh, what scripture says? Certainly, with regard to uh, those who uh, have moved a, an effective Sabbath from the seventh day to the first day, their tradition annuls the commandment. Their tradition undoes the very word of God. And it was by simple uh, enactment of, uh, of, of men in the fourth century and, and earlier that uh, didn't want anything to do with Jews or Judaism and hence moved their sacred day from the seventh day to the first day uh, to differentiate themselves from uh, Jews and Judaism. Uh, we would recognize that that's a man-made, that's a tradition, and uh, the commandment remains unchanged. Where do we count the seventh day? How do we know the seventh day is the seventh day? All manner of conspiracy theories, both inside and outside the Messianic movement, of do we really know it's the seventh day? And let me assure you, we know that the seventh day today is the same as it was and has been for at least at least 4,000 years. The reason that we know this is because the Jewish people never forgot the Sabbath. There have been all manner of excursions in and out of sin for Israel as a nation. They never forgot the seventh day. Proof uh, is 2,000 years ago, 
Yeshua, Messiah, knew which day the seventh day was, and certainly without question, for the last 2,000 years, the Jewish people have never forgot a Sabbath day. The changing of the Gregorian calendar has nothing to do with this. The idea that the days were, that the month was divided into four parts and the, and the, and, uh, the seventh day was the counting and, and was adjusted is, is simply a conspiracy theory that has no, uh, has no grounding. The seventh day today is the same as the seventh day uh, in, uh, in ancient times. In Judaism, Sabbath keeping is the ultimate sign. It's the ultimate identity sign. Uh, it, is, uh, it is biblically recognized as the ultimate identity sign, as we're going to see when we look at, when we look at uh, Exodus 31. Rest is defined mostly by what it is not, that is, that it does not work. Work is defined as that which is needed to build the tabernacle. And here's what Judaism does. This is the tradition. Uh, in, the, in the 39 melachot, the lamedet melachot, the 39 categories of what, what defines work. Let's start in Exodus chapter 31, verse 12 through 17. says, and, and Adonai said to Moses, You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbath, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am Adonai that I, Adonai, sanctify you. This is where we, the, the notion that the Sabbath becomes the ultimate identity sign because God calls it a sign between him and Israel throughout gener- the, your generations that you may know that it is he that sets us apart. Continuing, you shall keep the Sabbath because it is, it is holy for you. It is set apart. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does not does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to Adonai. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be uh, put to death. Therefore the children of Israel shall keep the, Shab- the Sabbath, the Shabbat, observing the Sabbath throughout the generations as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the children of Israel that in six days Adonai made heaven and earth and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. A reminder here, in Exodus 31, we are reminded why the Sabbath, the seventh day, is important beyond it simply being a commandment. God himself rested on the seventh day of creation. This is not a... Uh, um, this is the law and I'm saying it to you and this is it because this is, uh, this is something I've come up with um, this <laughs> at Sinai this is a, uh, a reflection of the very, very pattern of creation and all that we are all that God has done in the visible and physical world is being reflected in this observing of the Sabbath. It is the seventh day of rest of creation that we are reflecting upon. It is the ultimate sign between us and God that he's the one that sets us apart. He sets us apart from the rest of his creation. Then if you continue, or excuse me, then if you go back to Exodus 31.11, we read verses 12 through 17 telling us the Sabbath instructions. If you go back to the, to the context of this passage, Exodus 31, 1 through 11, we'll see where the idea of the, 
39 melachot, the 39 uh, activities, comes from. Exodus 31 1 says, And Adonai said to Moses, saying, See, I have called by uh, name uh, Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence and knowledge and craftsmanship to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood, to work in every craft. And behold, I have appointed him Ohilab, the son of Ahismach, the tribe of Dan. And I have given to all men ability that they may make all that I have commanded you, the tent of meeting, the ark of the testimony, the mercy seat that is on it, and all the furnishings of the tent, the table and the utensils, the pure lampstand with all its utensils, the altar of incense and the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils, and the basin and its stand, and the finely worked garments, the holy garments of for Aaron, the priest, and garments of his sons for his service as priests, and the anointing oil, and the fragrant essence for the holy place, according to all that I have commanded you, they shall do. And then if you continue to read, we go back to that passage we've read before, which says, And Adonai said to Moses, You are to speak to the children of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. So the, the, the proximity to the Sabbath commandments to the tabernacle instructions, how to create, how to build, how to take the materials and, and fashion them in the instructed way of the tabernacle, is seen as not accidental, but intentional. God first says, this is the way that you make the tabernacle and all those things within it, and then he says, remember above all to keep my Sabbaths. So we see this relationship. This is where the 39 melachot come from. Anything considered creative as a category is how we define work. After all, creation is what God, what, what God himself rested from on the, Sabbath, on, the, on the Sabbath. Human beings are not very good at resting. We oftentimes are uh, making excuses, uh, making uh, adjustments for circumstances. Certainly, we need to be gracious and we need to be uh, consider mercy. But oftentimes, the mercy is simply for ourselves and not for others. Uh, so we, we, we give ourselves permission to disobey God, oftentimes with the intent that, well, there's a higher good that I'm disobeying for. And when oftentimes when we, when we examine why we're doing it, it is simply for uh, our own pleasure and not uh, truly for others. Now, the idea that I could work on the seventh day in order to earn money so that I could go and uh, um, uh, go on a, on a, on a journey uh, to share my faith with others in another city would be, would be foolish. And yet, those are the kind of things that we oftentimes do. Here's from the Mishnah. This is the 39 activities, the Lamed Tet Melachot Mishnah. The primary labors are 40 less 1. Sowing, plowing, reaping, binding sheaves, threshing, winnowing, selecting, grinding, sifting, kneading, baking, shearing wool, bleaching, hackling, dyeing, spinning, stretching the threads, the making of two meshes, weaving two threads, dividing two threads, tying and untying, sewing two stitches, tearing in order to sew two stitches, capturing a deer, slaughtering or flaying or salting, curing its hide, scraping it, cutting it, writing two letters, erasing in order to write two letters, building, pulling down, extinguishing, kindling, striking with a hammer, carrying out from one, do- carrying from, carrying out from one domain to another. These are the 40 
primary labors less one. These Lamed Tet Melachot, 39 activities. This, by the way, that was uh, from uh, um, the Bavli, uh, the Babylonian Talmud, Shabbat 73a, quoting the Mishnah. These 39 activities are, 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 are the repeating of the things that would have been necessary in order to build the tabernacle as described in Exodus 31, 1 through 11. Uh, in a more modern uh, language, you might say planting, plowing, reaping, binding sheaves, threshing, winnowing, selecting, grinding, sifting, kneading, baking, shearing wool, washing wool, beating wool, dyeing, spinning, weaving, making two loops, weaving, weaving at least two threads, separating two threads, tying and tying, sewing at least two stitches, tearing for the purpose of sewing, trapping, slaughtering, flaying, salting meat, cur- curing hide, scraping hide. Cutting hide into pieces, writing two or more letters, erasing building, tearing something down, extinguishing a fire, igniting a fire, using a tool and transferring or carrying between domains. Seems uh, to some people look at it and go, well, these, these are, these are uh, ridiculous. These sound, uh, you know, like people just trying to make it difficult uh, on other people. Uh, and yet, uh, we can see each one of these things as being an expression of what was, uh, or being a description of what was required to build the tabernacle. Whether we accept this tradition or not, one can see that it is based upon Scripture. Uh, even if it is, it, even if it is a tradition, it is not done thoughtlessly, but rather it is it is taking Scripture and, and applying it in a way uh, that traditionally uh, elders of a community could live with. Uh, when we look at uh, some modern extensions for these 39, uh, turning on or turning off an electrical switch or appliance uh, that goes with the idea of kindling or, or extinguishing. Uh, but in modern times, that would mean there would also be no cooking. Starting or stopping an automobile engine, uh, same idea, extinguishing or, or lighting. Um, so by extension, there would be no driving out of an automobile. Using electrical appliances such as computers or televisions, video games, iPods, CDs, uh, same idea of extinguishing or lighting. And uh, tearing off of toilet paper seems kind of silly, but uh, we know that traditionally uh, many in the Orthodox community will tear off toilet paper strips before the Shabbat begins uh, with, uh, with the hope that uh, if they don't forget that they will have to uh, make it through the Shabbat without that. Uh, the tearing off of toilet paper into, into small squares and ahead of time. Uh, this being an extension of the idea of not tearing up, uh, not tearing or, or, uh, or cutting. Ways that sh- that that uh, some of uh, uh, not not getting around, but ways of of mitigating the uh, the the side effects of some of these prohibitions are are things like Shabbat timers, where the lights come on or off in the home on the basis of a timer, as opposed to people flipping a light switch. Um, certainly, there are certain things that you could not put on a Shabbat timer. Hot water heaters are are included on Shabbat timers, although bathing is not. Uh, another thing is the setting up of iruvim, an aruv or a uh, an enclosure is the way of dealing with the idea of not leaving your place, which we'll talk about the le- not leaving of your place, your domain, carrying from one domain to another is what the Mishnah talks about. So aruv, uh, iruvim are are enclosures that constitute a your place, so that if you can go anywhere within the roof carrying things and still be uh, considered to be um, within your place and permitted. Um, however, when we when we look at some of the finer points of the 30, 39 melachot, the activities, and we compare it to the to the apostolic scriptures, we can see that, and and certainly even within even with extant Jewish texts, we can see that there's 
these 39 activities were not fully defined, although they were very active and they were under debate. They were not fully defined in the first century. And an example is Matthew chapter 12, where we see it repeatedly throughout the Gospels, but especially in Matthew chapter 12, the idea of, of whether one could heal, whether one could pick up a mat and carry it. Uh, later on, we would, we would understand that, yes, we could pick up a mat and carry it within the roof, within the walls of Jerusalem, which is considered an roof, we could carry a mat. Uh, well, in the first century, those, those finer points were not fully developed. Uh, so we don't see until later uh, the tradition being much more fully developed and much more defining as far as uh, what you could or couldn't do. Um, the, uh, uh, some of the traditions that we see today, more modern traditions, uh, and, and certainly going back, uh, going back uh, into the into the uh, Middle Ages and before, is is uh, lighting of two candles to welcome the Sabbath, and then the lighting of a single Havdalah candle to say farewell to the Sabbath at the close for the 25 hours for the for the uh, uh, time before sunset of lighting the two candles, and then for the uh, for the time after sunset for three stars of the lighting of the Havdalah candle, that it would define, it would be used as bookends, as uh, limits. Within the lighting of the two lights, within, within that time in between, this ritual, this is a traditional ritual, the Sabbath reigns. Time becomes eternity. Within that time. Within those bookends. We don't think of time we're not driven by time. We are not motivated by work or the things to keep our soul attached to our body, but rather our thoughts and our actions are directed solely at the one who created us and, that, and remembering the act of creation and his resting on the seventh day. What I find interesting is many in the Messianic community and in the Reformed community within uh, normative Judaism use the ritual of lighting two candles or lighting a Havdalah candle use the ritual and yet ignore what the ritual is designed to offset to, to, to limit to delimit that I would light two candles and light nothing else until I light the Havdalah candle is the point. Yet time and again we see, uh, we see well-meaning uh, messianics light two candles as a ceremony, as a, uh, as a ritual after the sun has set. And then make no excuses at all even, at least uh, to others, about lighting something after that or going to a restaurant or uh, engaging in other commerce. Uh, it makes no sense to have the rituals without the commandments, the clear, unequivocal commandments that those rituals point to. Looking at the tradition, the traditional rituals of lighting candles on the Sabbath the ritual tradition of meeting together and praying ritual prayers, liturgical prayers, and not keeping the very commandments that they are to folk that that, that they are to highlight for us, to me is is uh, is is foolishness. 
short-sightedness. What does scripture say about the Shabbat? It's, it's not an often used word, the Sabbath, to cease. The word literally means to cease. It's not a, a word used often. It's used 37 times in the Tanakh in 13 passages. There are some clear commandments, and these are the ones that uh, in your workbook we focused upon. What are the clear commandments? We are told that it is our duty, first the duty of priests, but it is our duty to be able to tell the difference between the clean and the unclean, between what, what is common and what is profane. We extend that to the scripture, to know the difference between what the scripture says and what tradition is. The difference between what God has said and what man has uh, laid down as uh, extensions or um, ways in which to keep God's commands. But those traditions are man-made. What does God actually say? Here's the clear, com- here's the clear commandments in Exodus 16, verse 23. Go to Exodus 16, 23. And we'll read through verse 29. He said to them, this is Moses speaking. This is what Adonai has commanded. Tomorrow is a, is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to Adonai. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil. And all that is left over lay aside to be kept till the morning. So they laid it aside till the morning as Moses commanded them. And, they did, and it did not stink. And they were, there were no worms in it. Speaking of the manna. Moses said, Eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to Adonai. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days shall you gather it, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. And Adonai said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, Adonai has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Each remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. Another tradition. Another tradition on, on Friday evening, the evening of the Sabbath, is that uh, before the Sabbath is, it begins on Friday at sunset, uh, there is baked two loaves of bread. The idea is two portions, two, uh, uh, two parts, one to eat then and one to eat on the Sabbath. This is what is alluded to, in, uh, this is alluding to the manna, the, the double portion of the manna. But what's the clear commandment? Do not gather. Don't go out in the field. Don't gather. Do not gather. It's important to note to people who, uh, who claim that uh, God has abolished the Sabbath rest, that he has, uh, he has simply encapsulated it in the work of Jesus, and now we no longer, uh, we no longer get any benefit from keeping the Sabbath in faith. In fact, we're actually acting against faith by keeping the Sabbath. A, a reminder to them is Exodus 16 is before the Sinai Covenant. Exodus 16, along with Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, are before the Sinai Covenant. The keeping of the Sabbath is eternal. Uh, Exodus 20, verse 8. This is from uh, the Ten Words, from what people call the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. What are the clear commands? Remember it and keep it holy. Traditionally, the lighting of two candles is to remember these two things. Remember and keep it holy. Exodus 31, 13 through 16. 
You are to speak to the children of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, Adonai, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath, because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off among his people. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to Adonai. Whoever does not work on the, whoever does any work on the Sabbath shall be put to death. Therefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. What's the clear commandment? Keep it. It's a solemn rest. Do not work. Go to Exodus chapter 35. Six days, verse 2. Six days shall be done, but on the seventh day you shall have a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to Adonai. Whoever does any work in it shall be put to death. You shall kindle no fire in all your dwelling places on the Sabbath day. Here's an explicit commandment. What is it? Solemn rest. Do not kindle a fire. Leviticus 23.3 Six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work. It is a Sabbath to Adonai in all your dwelling places. Leviticus 23.3, what's the command? A solemn rest, a holy convocation, which means a holy assembly, a assembly set apart, do no work. It implies in your dwelling places. Which brings up an interesting question. I hope you have these kinds of questions. How do you have a holy assembly and yet in your dwelling place? Leviticus 24, 1. And I'll read through verse 9. And Adonai spoke to Moses saying, Command the people of Israel to bring you pure oil from beaten olives for the lamp that a light might be kept burning regularly. Outside the veil of the testimony in the tent of meeting, Aaron shall arrange it from evening to morning before Adonai regularly. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations. He shall arrange the lamps on the lampstand of pure gold before Adonai regularly. You shall take fine flour, bake it twelve, break, bake twelve loaves from it. Two tenths of an ephah shall be in each loaf, and you shall set them in two piles, six in a pile, on a table of pure gold before Adonai. You shall put frankincense on each pile that you may go that, that it may go with the bread as a memorial portion, as a food offering to Adonai. Every Sabbath day, Aaron shall arrange it before Adonai regularly. It is from the people of Israel as a covenant forever. And it shall be for Aaron and his sons. They shall eat it in a holy place, since it is for him in most a most holy portion out of Hashem's, out of Adonai's food offering, a perpetual due. What's the clear commandment here? Aaron should arrange lamps and loaves, and by extension it says his sons. Aaron and his sons should arrange lamps and loaves. Numbers 28, 4-10 One lamb you shall offer in the morning, and one another lamb you shall offer at twilight. Also a tenth of an ephah of fine flour for grain offering mixed with a quarter of a hint of beaten oil. It is a regular burnt offering, which was ordained at Mount Sinai for a pleasing aroma, a food offering to Adonai. Its drink offering shall be a quarter of hin for each lamb. In the holy place you'll pour, you shall pour out a drink offering of strong drink to Adonai. The other lamb you shall offer at twilight, like the grain offering of the morning, and like its drink offering, you shall offer it as a food offering with a pleasing aroma to Adonai. On the, seventh, on the Sabbath day, 
two male lambs, a year old, without blemish, and a two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour for a grain offering mixed with oil, and its drink offering. This is the burnt offering of every Sabbath, besides the regular burnt offering and its drink offering. What's the clear commandment? There's additional offerings, lambs, grain, oil, drink. This is where we get, this is where we get the additional recitation of the uh, Shemona Esrei on, on Shabbat, on the, on, in the, in the uh, prayer service of the seventh day, that we uh, say it again. It's, a, it's two, a double the offerings, double the daily offerings. Deuteronomy 5, 12 through 15. It says, observe the, the Sabbath day to keep it holy. As Adonai, your God, commanded you, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to Adonai, your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son, or your daughter, or your male servant, or your female servant, or your ox, or your donkey, or any of your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. That would be a Gentile who is sojourning among. Uh, that your male servant and your female servant may rest with you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and not only your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, Adonai, your God, commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. The notion in modern, in some messi- modern messianic circles that, listen, Sabbath day worship, Sabbath day uh, sanctifying of the day is something that Jews should do. Uh, and yet, Gentiles, please, go back to the church and, and, and you, y'all have a good worship service on Sunday. Uh, is 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 completely uh, rejected, both in Deuteronomy 5 and Exodus chapter 20, where the ten words are given, because it explicitly says, it's also for the sojourner who's within your gates. Uh, There is not only, uh, there's a lot of biblical evidence for this, but it's explicit. The sojourner within your gates is also to keep the Sabbath. We see it again later on, but in Numbers chapter 15, 32, it says, while the people of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. Actually, I need to skip because we, we want to get, this is, a, this is more of an implied commandment. So I'm going to go back and reiterate, first of all, these, these commandments that are, that are explicit that we read uh, from Exodus 16 uh, and uh, 20 and 31 and 35, Leviticus 23 and Leviticus 24, and Numbers 28 and Deuteronomy 5. These explicit commandments are, do not gather, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy, do not work, a solemn rest, do not kindle a fire, it's to be a holy convocation, Aaron and priest were to arrange lamps and additional offering, and no work for family or servants, Gentiles that were sojourning among you, etc. These are the clear commandments of Sabbath. Now, I'd like to go to the conceptual commandments, the first of which was what I was referring to in Numbers chapter 15. Numbers 15.32, when the people of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath. This is the account of the man gathering the sticks, and afterwards uh, he is brought uh, to Moses. Moses doesn't know what to do, and God says he should be stoned, just like I told you before. He should be stoned, and from this we get the commandment of the Zitzit, so that we would remember the commandments. So Numbers chapter 15 is a man gathering sticks. What's the implied? The implied commandment is, don't do what you do on the other six days. You gather six every, sticks every other day, don't gather sticks on the Sabbath day. Nehemiah 10, 28 through 31. This is after the Babylonian captivity. Uh, Israel's taken out of 
the land of Israel, and we read in Second Chronicles the reason why is because they did not give the land its Sabbath rests, its its uh, 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 years of Shemitah, its, and its years uh, of Yovel, the uh, the the seven day rest for the seven year rest for the land, and the fiftieth uh, release of land and uh, and uh, servants. So we we understand now that. Uh, the children of Israel coming back from Babylon are reminded of the things that had disobeyed God before, and now they make a, a conscious effort to obey God in everything. So in Nehemiah's day, there's a, re, there's a renewal of understanding of what God literally said and how they should, they, how, sh, how they should keep it. But this is an implied commandment. Uh, Nehemiah 10, 28-31, The rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the temple servants, and all who have separated themselves from the people of the land to the law of God, their wives, their sons, their daughters, all who have knowledge and understanding, join with their brothers, their nobles, and enter into a curse and an oath to walk in God's law was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe and do all the commandments of Adonai, our God, and his rules and his statutes. We do not give our daughters to the people of the land, or take their daughters for our sons. And if the people of the land bring in goods or any grain on the Sabbath day to sell, we will not buy from them on the Sabbath day or any holy day. And we will forego the crops of the seventh year and the exact and the exaction and exaction of every debt. That's Nehemiah ten twenty eight through thirty one. The explicit or the implied command: Don't buy or sell. Numbers thirteen fifteen through twenty two. In those days, I, speaking Nehemiah, I saw in Judah people treading wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing in heaps of grain and loading them on donkeys, and also wine, grapes, figs, and all kinds of loads, which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. And I warned them on the day that they sold food. Tyrians also, who lived in the city, brought in fish and all kinds of goods and sold them on the Sabbath to the people of Judah, Jerusalem itself. Then I confronted the nobles of Judah and said to them, What is this evil thing that you are doing, profaning the Sabbath day? Did not your fathers act in this way? And did not God bring all this disaster upon us in the city? Now, you are bringing more wrath on Israel by profaning the Sabbath. As soon as it began to grow dark at the gate of Jerusalem before the Sabbath, I commanded that the doors should be shut and gave orders that they should not be opened until after the Sabbath. And I stationed some of my servants at the gates that no load might be brought in on the Sabbath day. Then the merchants and the sellers, all kinds of wares, lodged outside Jerusalem once or twice. But I warned them and said to them, why do you still lodge outside the city, outside the wall? If you do so again, I will lay hands on you. From that time on, they did not come on the Sabbath. Then I commanded the Levites that they should purify themselves and come and guard the gates to keep the Sabbath day holy. Remember this also in my favor, my God, and spare me according to the greatness of your steadfast love. What's the implied uh, commandment from this? What's the applied commandment from Nehemiah? Nehemiah's example, don't trade. Don't even prepare to trade. They're camped outside the gate waiting for the Sabbath to be over. Don't even prepare to trade. No trading. Anybody that has visited Jerusalem in, in, uh, in modern times uh, knows that uh, in the, in the uh, late afternoon, around 4 or 5, depending on the time of sunset, you will have a, uh, um, a, a large or a loud horn go off in the city of Jerusalem, over a million people live, and a large horn will go off, and it's, an, it's a reminder to everyone that the Sabbath is approaching, and the Sabbath is different from every other day. The buses don't operate. You find very few cars driving uh, in Jerusalem uh, on the Sabbath day. The shops close. There's no place to go, go to a restaurant. 
or to go into and buy uh, in a convenience store, those all close. The Sabbath closes and rest is uh, mandated simply by uh, the fact that you cannot do uh, many of those things uh, that you would do uh, during the rest of the week. And then at the end of, uh, at the end of the Sabbath, at the end of Shabbat, uh, after the sun has set uh, on, on the seventh day, and three stars are visible, uh, usually by the counting of the clock, um, uh, the stores and the shops all open up, and uh, um, uh, the, the uh, Saturday evening is, uh, is a very uh, active evening in Jerusalem. Um, so this, but this implied in Nehemiah, the commandment is don't even prepare for trade or for sell, buying or selling. Isaiah 56, 2 through 6. Blessed is the man who does this and the son of a man who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath, not profaning it, and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to Adonai say, the, uh, Adonai sh- will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says Adonai to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give my house within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name. They shall not be cut off. And the foreigners who join themselves to Adonai, to minister to him, to the love and name of Adonai, to his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it, and holds fast my covenant. What's the, uh, what's the implied here in Isaiah 56? It's pretty explicit, actually. And that is that Gentiles are included. Uh, this is not a Jewish thing. It's a God thing. Isaiah 58, verse 13. If you turn your, back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy days, on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of Adonai, honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, or seeking your own pleasure, or, take, or talking idly. What's the implied here? We're not to do our own pleasure. The implied commandment is don't do your own pleasure. Call it a delight. Those who believe that the Sabbath is a burden are disobeying Isaiah 58.13. Isaiah 66, 23, almost everyone would recognize that Isaiah 66, because it speaks of a time of a new heaven and a new earth, that this is yet in the future. And what does it say in Isaiah 66, 23? From new new moon to new moon, from Sabbath to Sabbath, all flesh shall come to worship before me, declares Adonai. What is Isaiah 66, 23 implied commandment? Assemble to worship Adonai. Jeremiah seventeen twenty one, read through verse twenty seven. Thus says Adonai, take care for the sake of your lives, and do not bear a burden on the Sabbath day, and bring it to, by the gates of Jerusalem. Do not carry a burden out of your houses on the Sabbath, or do any work, but keep the Sabbath day holy, as I commanded your fathers. Yet they did not listen or incline their ear, but stiffened their neck, that they might not hear and receive instruction. But if you listen to me, declares Adonai, and bring in no burden by the gates of the city on the Sabbath day, but keep the Sabbath day holy and do no work on it, then you shall enter by the gates of the city kings 
Then there shall enter by the gates of the city kings and princes who sit on the throne of David, riding in chariots and on horses, they and their officials, the men of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and this city shall be inhabited forever. And the people shall come from the cities of Judah and the places around Jerusalem, from the land of Benjamin, from the Shephelah, from the hill country, from the Negev, bring burnt offerings and sacrifices, grain offerings and frankincense, and bring thank offerings to the house of Adonai. For if, you do, for if you do not listen to me to keep the Sabbath day holy, do not bear a burden and enter by the gates of Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. Then I will kindle a fire in its gates, and it shall devour the palaces of Jerusalem, and it shall not be quenched. Jeremiah seventeen twenty one through 27 What does it imply? Don't carry burdens in or out of the domain. By the way, this is a passage also that uh, is traditionally viewed as uh, as the or it, is, it provides the tradition, the background for the statement, if all Israel would keep one Sabbath, the Messiah would return. It talks about a king sitting on the, on the throne of David and everlasting peace. If all Israel would just keep one Sabbath day. Amos 8, 5. Saying, when will the new moon be over? that we may sell grain, and the Sabbath that we may offer wheat for sale, that we may make the ephah small and the shekel great and deal deceitfully with false palaces, that we may buy the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals and sell the chaff of the wheat. Here, Sabbath breaking is equated with all manner of cheating and dishonesty. What's the implied commandment here in Amos 8.5? Again, do not buy, do not sell. As you can see, by reading the explicit commandments and the implied commandments in the Tanakh, the 39 Melachot, do have some scriptural support. There is some scriptural support for what is, is borne out in the tradition of the 39 Melachot. There is a difficulty when we read about the commandments regarding the Sabbath, as we already alluded to, there seems to be some conflict. There seems to be some uh, disconnect, uh, some competing commandments. As we have seen, Yeshua is teaching us to do command precedence. Which is the greater commandment? To remain in your place, as we see in Exodus chapter 16. Not to go out and gather manna, we said, to remain in your place. Or is the greater commandment that you should assemble, as we saw in Leviticus chapter 23. Leviticus 23.3 says, Six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day is a, day, is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. That's that same word, convocation, used to, used to describe the assembly of God's people. That in the Septuagint, later on in the Apostolic Scriptures, Ecclesia, the, uh, the assembly, the congregation of God's people, that we are to congregate. Verse Exodus 16 says, See, Adonai has given you the Sabbath, therefore on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Remember each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. Command precedence. Which is more important? To remain in your place? What's the context? Don't, don't go out and gather. Don't go the things you normally do, uh, going out every day and getting the manna. Or Leviticus chapter 23. The Sabbath is a solemn rest, a holy convocation, a day of assembly. Which one is more important?
Well, one way of getting, uh, of making both possible is the Erovim. What is your place? The definition of what is your place within a walled city, within a continuous uh, wall, connecting houses so that uh, so that your place is extended. Now, some people look at that and they think that that's a stringent stringency, that it's a straining at a gnat, and yet. It's trying to find a provision to keep both commandments. In all of our strivings, in all of our traditions, we should strive to honor all that God has said, even when they're in competition with one another. But when we get to the point where we cannot any longer say which commandment, uh, where we cannot do both, we must make a determination. Which shall we do? What God explicitly says or what is implicitly forbidden? There is a tradition and it's borne out by Yeshua's tradition of command precedence that says that a positive command outweighs a negative command when they are in conflict with one another. That mercy is more important than offering. Command precedence gives us some background where we can determine as communities how we will deal with Sabbath commandments both explicit and implied. Should we drive to where we assemble? Is it not better to say we would stay in our same place we would all live in a locality where we could where we could uh, gather together without having to worry about driving for long distances or worrying about whether we had remembered to fill the car up with gas. But what if you're not able to all live in a place close so that assembly is possible? What's the command precedence? Assemble? Or remain in your place. These are worthy discussions for a community. These are worthy discussions for a family. The answer will be a traditional answer. Because the only explicit commandment is that the seventh day is a day of solemn rest, a holy convocation, an assembly. You shall do no work. Whereas the implied commandment that you should that you should not uh, light a fire, and that's the same thing as igniting an, uh, a combustion engine, uh, turning a switch, etc. How did Yeshua deal with Sabbath traditions? When we as communities formulate our Sabbath traditions, how we will do what God has explicitly said. We determine we will keep the Sabbath, we will keep the explicit commandments. How do we deal with the gray areas as communities, as families? How did Yeshua do it gives us, how Yeshua did it gives us insight how, how we should do it. Matthew chapter 12, verse 1 through 13. At that time, Yeshua went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry. They began to pluck grains of heads of grain and eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said, look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. Now remember, these, uh, the instructions uh, that of the Mishnah, the, the 39 Melachot, the finer points were not well established. And there's still debate in the first century whether what they were doing was, was 
traditionally lawful or not. But certainly the Torah does not forbid this. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. Have you not read in the law, on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. He went on from there and entered their synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand, and they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him? He said to them, Which of you who who has a sheep, if it falls in the pit on the Sabbath, want to take hold of it and to lift it out? How much more value is a man than a sheep? It is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out, and it was restored, healthy, like the other. Is there an explicit command not to heal on the Sabbath? Is there an explicit command that as you're walking through a grain field to pluck the heads of grain and eat them? Is that gathering? No, you're not gathering in order to to, uh, make uh, bread. You're simply uh, snacking on the grain as you walk through. Luke 6, 1 through 10 is the companion passage on the Sabbath. When he was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some heads of grain, rubbed them in their hands. But some of the Pharisees said, Why are you doing what is not lawful in the Sabbath? And Yeshua answered them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priests to eat, and also gave it to those with him. And he said to them, The Son of the Man is Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was withered, and the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath, so they might have a reason to accuse him, but he knew their thoughts. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come, and stand here. And he rose and stood there. And Yeshua said to him, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good, or to do harm, to save life, or to destroy it? And after looking around at them, he said to him, Stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored. How did Yeshua deal with Sabbath traditions? He always cited on the side of mercy and to do good on the Sabbath. Not breaking explicit Sabbath commandments, surely not. He always kept the Sabbath. And yet he did not keep the traditions that were that denied acts of mercy or kindness. Matthew twenty four twenty. Pray that your flight may not be on winter or on a Sabbath. Yeshua tells his disciples they should pray that their flight, their fleeing from the city, should not be on a Sabbath. Why? He did did recognize uh, some of the traditions regarding travel on the Sabbath. Mark 6, 2. And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue, and those who heard him were astonished, saying, Why did this man get these, where did this man get these things? What is this wisdom given to him? How are how are such mighty works done by his hands? What's Yeshua's tradition? He goes to the synagogue and teaches on the Sabbath. Assembly was important for him. It was his custom. As we're told in Luke 13.10, Now he was teaching one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and there was a woman who had a disabled, disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten up. When Yeshua saw her, he called over and said to her, Woman, 
You are freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and she glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Yeshua had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, There are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. Then the Lord answered him, You hypocrites. Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or donkey from the manger and lead him away to water it? And not that, ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan bound for eighteen years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? Remember, Yeshua is teaching that the Sabbath day is not a cold day. It's a day of, of being filled. Filled by, uh, by the presence of God in the assembly of his congregation. Filled by eating food that is uh, prepared beforehand. Filled by being healed from sickness. That it is a good day, a delightful day. That it is an eternal day where there is no sorrow. There's no crying or tears and there's no death. This picture of the Sabbath day as the world to come is being borne out in what Yeshua does by tradition. Then they returned, Luke 23, 56, and they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the, sab- on the Sabbath they rested according to the commandment. Yeshua's, Yeshua's disciples, the women, after his death, they rest on the, on the Sabbath according to the commandment. They didn't prepare the dead for burial. John 5, 5-19 one man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Yeshua saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do, not, do, you, want, do, you, not, do you want to be healed? The sick, answer, sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water stirred up. This is the pool of uh, Shloach, the pool of Siloam. And when, I was, and when I'm going another steps before me, Yeshua said to him, Get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to him, said to the man who had been healed, It is a Sabbath and it is not law for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, The man who healed me, the man who said to me, Take up your bed and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who who it was, for Yeshua had withdrawn, as was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Yeshua found him in the temple and said to him, See, you're well. Sin no more. Nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Yeshua who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Yeshua, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Yeshua answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. This is why the Jews are seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but that he was calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So Yeshua said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees his father doing. For whatever the father does, the son does likewise. First of all, as we see, as we've seen, the picking up his bed and walking within the Aruv was permitted. He was within the city walls of Jerusalem, but these were not well refined by that time. So they're they're con- convinced that he's breaking their tradition. What tradition does he keep? He keeps the tradition of mercy. He keeps the commandments of God. His disciples keep the commandments of God, but he keeps the tradition of mercy always. The commandment to be merciful. The tradition of healing, doing good. John seven, twenty one through twenty four, Yeshua answered them. I did one work and you all marvel at it. 
Moses gave you circumcision, not that it is from Moses, but from the fathers, and you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. Then if on the Sabbath a man receives circumcision, so that the law of Moses may not be broken, are you anger with me, because on the Sabbath I made a man's body well? Do not judge by appearance, but, but judge with right judgment. He's speaking, uh, first of all, not only of eight-day circumcision, but the, uh, the tradition of circumcision for a, a proselyte. A eight-day circumcision. No one knows when this eighth day is going to come. Your, your child's born. The eighth day, you're supposed to circumcise. If it falls on the Shabbat, do you, do you circumcise? And the answer is yes. Which commandment is, has precedence? The commandment of circumcision. The eighth day has precedence. But he's even, he's even reflecting upon their tradition of circumcision, ritual circumcision, and how they will even do that uh, and not deny that to be done on the Sabbath. John 9, 1-17, As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, when he was born blind? Yeshua answered, It was not this man, it is not this man's sin or his parents, but that the works of God may be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me. While it is day, night is coming and no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this thing, he spat on the ground and made mud with his saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is means sent, shloach. And he went and washed and came back, seeing the neighbors and those who saw him before him as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, it's not like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, How were your eyes open? He answered, The man called Yeshua made mud and anointed my eyes and said, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? And he said, I do not know. They brought the Pharisees, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been formerly blind, but it was a Sabbath day when Yeshua made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees asked again how he had received his sight, and he said to them, He put mud in my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such things? And there was division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him, since he has opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. This is a wonderful passage that brings in so much of the Torah. We we, we see this, this concept of of what is work and what isn't. Uh, the tradition is, remember, mixing, mixing, sifting. So the idea of mud and saliva mixing together would have been breaking the traditions of the Sabbath, the 39 melachot. Yet the man was healed. He washed it off. He was healed. And, there, and some of the, and the group are saying, this must be a prophet. This man can't be a sinner that's, that's healed this man. Well, Deuteronomy 13 says, if you perform wonders or prophecies and you lead people away from the Torah, that you're a false prophet. And what we see this reverse of this, the blind man recognizes that doing good on the Sabbath, that not keeping the tradition of not mixing, was offset by the, by the uh, by the tradition, or rather the commandment of being merciful. And that he was truly a prophet. Not leading people away from the Torah of Moses, but leading them into the fulfillment, the completion, the uh, true glory of the commandments of God as described by God's servant Moses. That God might be glorified, as Deuteronomy 4 tells us. That the nations around might see what God is this? What people that he has called? 
that has such good commandments. So, marvelous passages speaks about bringing glory to God by doing good on the Sabbath. Acts chapter 1, verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath stayed journey away. How far away is the Mount of Olives from the walls of Jerusalem? Outside the walls, how far away is it? It's within a Sabbath day's journey. Why does Luke tell us this twice? Why does Yeshua speak of praying that our flight away from the city would not place, take place on the Sabbath? Clearly, there's some traditions about staying in one's place or making provision to stay in one's place that Yeshua and his disciples are submissive to. The test and tradition questions we've been going through. How does this tradition, namely how we keep the Sabbath, does it help us keep one commandment and yet obscure more important commandments? How does this tradition, how we keep the Sabbath, turn us away from the commandments? Does it turn us away from the commandments or does it draw us nearer to the commandments? How does this tradition, that is how we keep the Sabbath, does it cause us to deny Yeshua's Messiah? I would say that for those who have exchanged the seventh day Sabbath as commanded for a man-made first day are denying Yeshua as Messiah. They're turning away from the commandments of God in order to keep a tradition. How does this tradition, that is how we keep the Sabbath, does it cause division between Jew and Gentile? Sundays for Christians, Saturdays for Jews. Is that tradition acceptable? How does this tradition, or rejecting of this tradition, that is how we keep the Sabbath, make us distinct from greater Israel? Sundays for Christians, Saturdays for Jews. If you can answer no to all of those questions, the last question is, does this tradition, that is how we keep the Sabbath, does it unnecessarily burden us? Or are there other ways that we can keep the commandment? The commandments of the Sabbath are clear, unequivocal, eternal. And yet men have sought ways for millennia to not keep them. To avoid acknowledging their duty as disciples of Messiah to do what he did and keeping the Sabbath and doing good on the Sabbath. It's not just a concept or a metaphor. Keeping the Sabbath is not just simply a picture of the world to come. For all those who think that the Sabbath is a burden, they've never kept the Sabbath. For all those that think they cannot keep the Sabbath, they've never tried. What is God's promise, His blessing, to those who keep His Sabbath holy?
it is a very messianic thing to do. It is a very discipleship thing to do. Our master, Messiah, was a Sabbath keeper. It takes real faith and real action. Not simply mental assent. Not simply a nicety. I'll do it if it works out for me. It takes real faith. But the, re- the reward is real blessing. A day carved out in eternity. A day where time and space intersect. A day of blessing and delight. Sabbath is never presented as a, as a burden in Scripture. It's always presented as the blessing that it is. Our prayer focus this week, uh, Kidshat Hayom, is uh, from the Shemona Esrei, on the seventh day, Shemona Esrei, the Sabbath prayers. Moses rejoiced in the gift of his portion, that you called him a faithful servant. A crown of splendor you placed on his head when he stood before you on Mount Sinai. He brought down two stone tablets in his hand, on which are inscribed the observance of the Sabbath. So it is written in your Torah. The children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to make the Sabbath an eternal covenant for their generations. Between me and the children of Israel is a sign forever. That in six days Adonai made the heaven and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. You did not give it, Adonai, our God, to the nations of the land. You did not make it their inheritance, the, the inheritance, our king, to the worshippers of graven idols. And it's in its contentment, the uncircumcised shall not abide. For to Israel, your people, have you given it in love. To the seed of Jacob, whom you have chosen, the people that sanctify the seventh, they will be satisfied and delighted from your goodness. And the seventh, you found favor in, in it and sanctified it. Most coveted of days, you called it. A remembrance of the act of creation. That's from the Art, Art Scroll Complete Sidor, page 425. It's very difficult talking about the Sabbath, knowing the benefits, the blessings of keeping his Sabbath in such technical ways. I trust that as you uh, absorb the technical details of the commandments, that you would not lose sight of the enormous blessing and holiness of the Sabbath day. Let's close in prayer. We thank you, O Adonai, our God, that you have established our portion with those who dwell in the study hall, and you have not established our portion with idlers, for we arise early and they arise early. We arise early for words of Torah, they arise early for idle words. We toil and they toil. We toil and receive reward, and they toil and do not receive reward. We run and they run. We run to the life of the world to come, and they run to the pit of destruction. As it is written, And you, O God, you will lower them into the well of destruction. Men of bloodshed and deceit shall not live out half their days. But as for me, I will trust in you. Shalom.